Hey everybody, welcome back to the Winners Win Podcast. This is episode 36. And we are now eight days removed from just a gut-wrenching end to the Philadelphia Eagles season. And I was trying to think back on what was the worst Philadelphia loss in my lifetime, so 36 years. And I think that it's I'm almost positive that it's number one. The way it unfolded, the way it ended, the way the second half went, the way the last few minutes went with the flag thrown that just rip your guts out when you know you're not going to get the ball back. And I don't think there's been a worse loss in my lifetime. I think that's as bad as you can draw up. A flag to end the Super Bowl after months and months of being invested in a game where you're slightly favored and probably more talented, in a, in a shootout where the referee calls a ticky-tack call and you watch the clock go down to eight seconds and then go up three. I don't think there's anything worse than that. In recent years, you remember the Kawhi Leonard shot to win game seven. That was pretty bad. I didn't have a lot of faith in that Sixers team, but but that was pretty bad because the Sixers could have probably won the finals if they won that game. They would have had to play Milwaukee in the conference finals. I don't know if they would have gotten through that, but that was probably the best Sixers team in the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years back to the 01 team. So that was bad. 2011, Roy Halladay at home in game five when we win 102 games against St. Louis. That was that was pretty gut wrenching. We have two hits. We get shut out at home after being up two to one in that series. Really could have been up two zero. Cliff Lee blew a four nothing lead at home. So that was a pretty gut wrenching series and game. Those are the ones that stand out. Obviously ninety three and Joe Carter. This year with the Phillies against the Astros was. It was tough because you're up 2-1, to one, but I don't think anyone had a lot of faith, at least I didn't, that they were going to win that game, win that series, I should say. Getting shut out, though, is pretty, uh, no hit, I'm sorry, in game four is pretty devastating. But I, but I don't think any of them reach this magnitude. You're in the Super Bowl. You're a slight favorite. You've lost one game all year with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. You get arguably Jalen Hurts' best performance of his life besides the fumble, which was huge. But outside of that, he was he was incredible. And and no look, no one really knew what he would be. Both of your star receivers go for a hundred yards or close, I think ninety six, and one of them went over. And you lose the way they lost. So I, I I think it's the worst. I'm open to suggestions. And obviously people that are older may have something worse. But I don't know. That That's the highest stage in, in the maybe the most popular sport in America. And it, it ends like that. And you never know when you're going to get back. It's a tough one. It's a tough one to get over. And now they're in the position where they're looking at contracts and looking to extend Jalen and things like that. And I, honestly, I, I haven't watched much sports since it ended. I haven't watched any sports really since it ended. I ha- I haven't been able to bring myself to think about next year yet. 
or what they need to do. Obviously, they lost both of their coordinators. I think I think losing Shane Steichen hurts because now Jalen Hurts learns a little bit of a new offense. It might be similar with Sirianni still there, but it was nice to see Jalen have the same offense for, for two years in a row. You lose Gannon, which I, I'm shocked that the Cardinals can watch that game and hire Gannon. It's such a copycat league where they just hire coordinators that go far. And I, he hired two rookie coordinators for offense and defense. I, I can't imagine that he'll be any good as a head coach, but we'll see. And so as I was coming out of that, thinking about what's next, you try to look ahead to the Phillies. Obviously, they're in clear water now. Pitchers and catchers report it. You have some guys there. It's, Saw some batting practice with Trey Turner and Schwarber and those guys. It's exciting. Obviously, you're going to miss Harper for a little while. Looks like Alec Bohm put on 15 pounds. Maybe we'll see Andrew Painter, or we will. We will see Andrew Painter. So there's some things to look forward to with the Phillies. I think Dombrowski set them in a position where they'll be competitive again. But it's so hard. You know, it's so hard to go back. It's 162 games. We were in the World Series last year. The odds of going back, it's not impossible, but it's not likely, and it's hard. So it's hard to get excited. You know, it's almost easier when you're the underdog and there's no expectations and like kind of the Eagles were this year, the Phillies were last year. There were some expectations, but not much. And then you over you overachieve. That's always great. Overpromise or uh, underpromise and overdeliver. But now expectations are high for the Phillies. Expectations are going to be high for the Eagles. And it's just so hard to go back. There's not much of a ceiling. It's like almost if you don't go back and win, it's a failure. That's a horrible feeling to be in. So much pressure. I have to go back and I have to win this time. So there's there's not much to look forward to. It's tough to say. It'll be fun to watch the Phillies, but it's tough when expectations are like that. Sixers give you no hope. I mean, I, I know that they have a good record. I know that they'll be in the second round, probably. But they're not going to get out of the East. I, I, I don't think they'll get out of two rounds again. They're not going to beat the Celtics. They can't even beat the Celtics with guys missing a week or, and a half ago. They can't beat them in seven. We didn't add anything yet, and I don't know that we will. Probably be more of the same from them, a big letdown. So it's a really empty feeling as a Philadelphia sports fan at the moment. It's great to get in those games, but man, it's hard when you get let down and there's not much to look forward to. Not to be so morbid, <laughs> but I think everyone I think everyone's feeling it. I think everyone's feeling a little bit of that. So you try to focus on different things. And I tried to, as this week I got, I got away from sports a little bit and I try to stay away from politics and news and things like that because it's just so, it gets you so down. But two nights ago, um, in North Philadelphia, a temple police officer was killed. And, you know, that kind of thing happens all the time. 
police police get killed, police kill. That's that's the nature of that business. Me being a former police officer, I understand how that works. It's especially in certain neighborhoods and there's a lot of violence. It's it's commonplace. But we don't always hear about it. And we don't always follow it unless the media kind of put points us to it. But it's happening. It's happening all the time. But this one, this one was tough for me, I think, because um, and for a lot of the, the guys I'm, I've been talking to, that f- cops or former cops, you know, this is the first Temple police officer ever killed. You know, and I had, I had Temple police officers in my academy class in 2013. They, they go through the same academy. And, um, and I don't want to venture too far from sports here and make this about, but I just have a couple thoughts on this because I think it's in honor of this, of this guy, Christopher Fitzgerald, who was killed as the first Temple cop. Um, I'm going to tie this into kind of certain, a certain sports theme, but you know, Temple, obviously a violent area, but usually the, the Philadelphia police are kind of policing around temple and then temple has the campus but they do venture out and you know and so for anyone who doesn't know he there was a uh, a robbery at a at a corner store in, in north philadelphia 22nd police district and and this this gentleman christopher fitzgerald who's by himself not with a partner i guess sees the the uh people fleeing from the store and, and is in foot pursuit i think it was 18th and montgomery um, westbound, so the other side of Broad Street, going westbound, um, towards kind of like uh, you'd be you'd be going towards uh, University of Penn area, but but much much more eastbound of that. But that's the way you'd be going, and uh, catches up to him. Uh, they have a struggle. His brother, the individual's brother who shot the police officer, is hiding, watching this, and uh, they have a struggle. Brief struggle, and, and um, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to give him any credit but or, or notoriety. Uh, shoots the, the police officer in the, in the face and t- upper torso and then proceeds to stand over his body and execute him. Four more shots in the head. And so he then does a carjacking, tries to get out of there as... His mom picks him up. He's, he lives out in Bucks County. I think his dad lives down that way, but lives out in, in um, Buckingham, PA. His mom picks him up, drives him home. And so, and then, then his dad, he calls his dad. His dad calls the police, and, and they get on to him. His brother tells on him. His other friend tells on him, whatever. And they go, and they get him in his house. And, you know, I'm looking at this kid, and it's... Uh, it's it's not the normal story, right? I mean, um, you have him who, who's white, half Asian, I think white, and then you have the cop who's black or uh, mixed, Hispanic and black, but but uh, not white. And um, you try to think about, you know, I look at this kid and, and you see pictures on this kid's Instagram from two years ago and he looked like a normal kid, you know, he's going on fishing trips and things like that. And you try to wonder how to go so wrong, you know, and you can only speculate. Um, but obviously just so lost, you know, so lost to, 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 to shoot a cop and then stand over him and execute him in, in pure cold blood. 
Cop has four children, married, young guy. I think he's 32. You know, all for nothing. And you, you just wonder, like, what's going through his head, you know? How does he get to that point? How does he get from Buckingham, Pennsylvania to 18th and Montgomery where he's in football, where, where he's running from a cop and then shoots and executes a cop and looks looks like he has no remorse? And it's just so representative of, of, of our culture, man. It's like, it's a culture of death. It's a culture of uh, destruction in a lot of ways, you know. And and young men are just so, they don't seem to have a path, you know. They're, they're uh, opioid epidemic, uh, gun violence. And then you look at this kid, and this kid, he's now ruined his life for nothing. And I, and like I said, I, I don't, I don't want to get into the, the politics of it. It's really not. It's not even a political issue. It's not even. It's nothing that that should even be debatable. You know, everybody should really be on the same page on this. is a horrible thing, for a, for everybody. You know, the cop, the cop's family and children who now have to grow up fatherless. The kid who is now going to be in prison the rest of his life, his family who has to live with that shame, all meaningless, you know, and it, 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 comes from, it comes from such a place of hatred and evil. But it's almost, you know, I was thinking this morning, it's like this kid isn't in reality between social media and video games and who knows what he's watching and listening to. It's to do that. You're not, you're not in your right mind. You know, you're not in reality. You're, you're. You're portraying to be someone that you're not. You're you're filled with just Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about my albatross? Um, you're, you're filled with evil, but more than evil, you're filled with just junk. You know, you're not... There's no meaning in your life. And the way, the way that I that I kind of think about this is, and trying to tie it back to sports is, you know, there's 600 murders in Philadelphia now a year. Murders. That's not shootings, murders. And um, you see these athletes and on all of our major teams and they talk about we have to do something about gun violence and we have to do something about... Um, the crime and and then I, I, I look at <laughs> kind of what those teams promote and you look at the Sixers I've talked about this before you know the Sixers highlight Meek Mill 
they highlight him. They put him at courtside. He probably doesn't pay for tickets. They go get him out of prison. They, that's their that's their that's their uh, priority. The Phillies game four have Meek Mill. Uh, or was it game five? I'm sorry. Have Meek Mill sing on the field before the game. The Eagles have been known to just praise Meek Mill. And look, I don't care about Meek Mill. You know, I don't, whatever he does, he does. He has the right to sing what he wants. He's in America. He can, he can rap what he wants, say what he wants. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of listening to his music at times. I don't, I don't, there's no, there's nothing against Meek Mill, the person. I don't know the person, but when you look at his lyrics, you know, some of his famous lines in that song, Dreams and Nightmares, say, uh, all I know is murder. If you're not about that murder game, then shut up. You know, what is that, te- what is that promoting? What is that telling the kid in the Phillies stadium with his dad who's listening to that? What What is that doing? Why are our teams... prioritizing that there's a lot of role models on the teams that could be prioritized we don't need to prioritize that in a city with 600 murders in a city where an 18 year old kid stands over a cop and executes him in cold blood not necessary totally off you know you look at AJ Brown and on his Twitter and Talks about, we got to do something about gun violence. We got, well, in the same token, uh, we have a guy who, look, and Meek Mill, at the end of the day, he's, he's no murderer, trust me. He's just doing that because he knows that's what sells. But that's what he's pitching. And a young kid might not necessarily know that. Or at the very least, it's not helpful to be, if you're voluntarily listening to that, no problem. But for, for our teams to promote it, that, that's where my problem comes. And our and our politicians locally promote him and it just seems like the wrong message. There's a quarterback, you know, on the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, who could be a great message for young kids. This is a guy who went through adversity in sports. This is a guy who comes from a great family, does all the things right, does everything the right way, hard work. Um, leadership, understand, uh, understanding how to lose and do it with grace and come back better. And, you know, th- th- there's plenty of role models. So that's just something that, that, I, that I felt like I wanted to bring up because it just, it doesn't, the, the message that those teams promote when they do that doesn't, isn't a, in alignment with the things that they say they're in support of or the, the, uh, where they put their money, you know, trying to help the community. And they say that's their message. And, and they have a big platform. You know, they, they, I'm not saying they can fix gun violence, but it's just sad, you know. It's sad when you, when you have a cop killed in cold blood for no reason. You know, anytime that anyone's killed. But that, you know, I read the affidavit. You know, and one th- it's one thing, there's a struggle and there's a shooting. And, oh my gosh, what did I do? But stand over him and put four more shots in his head when he's already on the ground. And then trying to rob him, go through his pockets take a service weapon for what to be cool to think you're cool 
sad. So not not to not to be too morbid, <laughs> but just felt like that was it's been bothering me for a while. You know, I keep seeing I keep seeing these teams just put Meek Mill out there singing those lyrics, and I'm like, what are we doing? What what is the point of this? The Sixers, um, they they care more about that and who rings the bell than winning games, <laughs> making trades, the right the right moves. It's crazy. They care about the being cool with the culture. So I hope they I hope they can. I doubt it, but maybe they'll look in the mirror and get away from that. Because we should all be, no matter where you stand politically, or what, everybody should be against what happened two nights ago. Just as outraged as we get when a cop kills someone. We should be just as outraged when someone, and no race, right? I mean, the shooter here is white. The cop's black. So I, there's no, it's not about race. He puts four shots in the cop's head. Everybody should be as outraged, but you don't hear anything. Why? Why is that? That's what's wrong with society today. It's not even it's not even controversial. Everybody should should be standing in in, in solidarity with that. And we need we need to be there there needs to be better role models for young men that can be promoted. And there are. There are plenty. We don't need to res- resort to Meek Mill. <laughs> that that isn't necessarily someone that we need to look up to. I have no problem with him. But but he he shouldn't be the standard of what we of what young guys can become. <laughs> that isn't who we need to kind of put out there on a pedestal. So we'll keep this thing rolling, man. I I uh I'd like to get somebody on to talk Sixers. We have March Madness coming up, Philly season. I'd like to get a few guests to talk about a few of those things. Um, and then another, another thing I'm going to implement here is I got this cool board game and it has Philadelphia sports facts. So at the end of every episode, I'm going to put out a question. It's a trivia question. And then on the the following episode, I'll give the answer. So it kind of gives everyone a week to think about it. Hopefully you don't cheat and Google it, but kind of stimulate the brain a little bit. And so for this week, we are on the Philadelphia Phillies. I thought this would be relevant as they've, they've kind of gotten the clear water and, and starting to kick off. Um, and so the question is, through 2021, 10 Phillies all-time have hit 35 or more home runs in a single season. So not counting last year, which is 2022, but 2021, throughout that year, so until the end, 10 Phillies all-time, 35 more home runs, 35 or more home runs in a single season. Half of them are about 
my time frame, half or probably prior to me, to give a little hint. But next week we'll give the answer. And we'll be back again next Monday with a new um, episode. And we will keep this thing rolling. All right, thanks everybody. Have a good week.